0: Haggai chapter 2. Last week we talked about how God had spoken to the people, the people who had returned from Babylon, and they had been met with enormous discouragement. They had seen the land that they loved just laid waste. They had seen the temple that they had so uh, uh, made a part of their life. They had seen it lay in ruin. And yet, instead of getting back to the business of God, Their discouragement actually pushed them to their own priorities and they were building their own homes to the neglect of God's house. And the prophet Haggai, representing God, speaks to the people and says, it's time to get to work. It's time for you to start building. The message was initially delivered on August the 29th of 520 B.C. And it says that the people initially responded and they were beginning to maybe um, remove the rubble and prepare for the building of God's house. But somewhere in there, discouragement settled in again. In just a few weeks, discouragement had settled in again. Isn't it amazing how discouragement can settle in so quickly in our lives? Just at the moment we thought we had defeated it, it once again tries to capture us and enslave us. Notice Haggai's message to these individuals. It says, In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, in around October the 17th of 520, so almost not quite two months or so later, the message comes again. And this is the message beginning in verse 2. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, And to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. And to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with the glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Haggai confronts the people who have met discouragement. Again, they have started their work. They were getting ready to build God's house just as God had spoken. But now discouragement has settled in. Settled in Around the time of feast, it had settled in. If you look at the dating of this book and the dating of this message in particular, you will note that this occurs, this message comes while the people are supposed to be celebrating the feast of tabernacles, the feast of booths. This is a time when the people reenact what they went through, what their ancestors had gone through when they had left Egypt. They had come out and they had been delivered from Egypt. And in order to remind the nation and the people of that salvific effort, that salvific event in the life of the nation, what they would do is they would come out and they would build little uh, uh, shelters, temporary shelters with leaves on the top and, and, and make sure that they were just coming out to remember up the wilderness wanderings. It, it, if you want to say, it, it's kind of like a duck blind. They, they wanted to build, a, I'm trying to put it in our everyday vocabulary, okay? Something like that. They would go out and they would build and they would stay there in order to celebrate what God had done. So this was occurring around the time of the feast. So they weren't supposed to be working at this time. They're supposed to be celebrating. So get this. You're encouraged to work. You're supposed to go out and work. And yet then you meet the holiday And the holiday is always a setback on work, isn't it? I mean, it is hard to get motivated after a holiday to work. Some of you this week, as I challenge you, would go back to work and some of you would uh, have your routines. Maybe you'd be taking care of some children or maybe you would be in uh, a classroom or perhaps you were in a, a factory somewhere you went back to the work. And wasn't it kind of difficult after the extended holiday? Come on, somebody sympathize with me here this morning. It was a little bit difficult. Here they are in the midst of a holiday. And it's a little hard to get back to work, especially after having the passion and now sitting around and thinking about it. And I think there's particular significance here. Because some 400 years earlier, in this same time of celebration, they had actually dedicated, Solomon had dedicated the temple. Around the same time, 400 years earlier, Solomon had come with the people of Israel. They had seen the temple completed. They had seen the Shekinah glory of God descend around that same time. So here you are celebrating a holiday which in and of itself is hard to get motivated afterwards. But now you're sitting around and you're talking and you're thinking about things because you can do that on holidays, right? And you begin to think about 400 years before. You know, it was like 400 years ago that we were building our people and Solomon's temple was, was dedicated. And you know, what a, what a wonderful event that must have been for our great-grandparents and, you know, some of us, we, we can almost recall the glory of that temple. And, you know, what we're about to do and what we've tr- we are trying to accomplish is nothing compared to Solomon's temple. And discouragement settled in even more. Notice what Haggai says to, these, to the leadership and to the remnant of the people. He says, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your own eyes as nothing? He says, some of you remember that temple. Now, they would have been quite older at this point because remember the temple was destroyed in 586 B.C. We're in 520 B.C. Hold on just a moment, my Mississippi math. It's 66 years later or so. So they're quite older, but maybe there are a few of them that remember that temple. And they're talking about it. And they're talking about the splendor of it. And they're talking about how wonderful it was to go to the temple and how beautiful it was. And, And they begin just to realize that what they're about to do doesn't even seem to compare. And Haggai would even admit, he says, look at it, does it even seem, especially now at this point, at the initial stages... Does it even seem that it's possible that Solomon's temple and its glory could be seen again? So, discouragement settles in. The glory days. You ever talked about the glory days before? I'm talking about the days, I mean, wonderful glory days. Many of you have probably heard of the football powerhouse that has dominated the sport in in Mississippi for many years. The name of that school is Saltillo High School. Resonate with some of you? you? You've never heard of Saltillo High School? Well, you've heard of it because your pastor graduated from there, so you've heard of it somewhere along the line, but maybe not in context of football. Because... Well, I tell you it was a dominating force. It was a dominating force in the 1970s. And I used to hear people, when I was in high school, they would still talk about those days, the glory days of Saltilla High School football. When we actually won districts and when we actually had achieved great things. And they would talk about it. Now, fast forward to the 90s here. We were struggling to come out with... a three and seven record for the season but the glory days and so often when discouragement settles in and you're facing a three and seven season what you do is you recall the glory days now I am thankful that I can report to you that South actually made the playoffs in the last few years a couple of times Tremendous progress. But they would still talk about the glory days. You know, when I was in high school and I would hear them speak about that, my question would be something like, couldn't we see the glory days again? I mean, can't we win again? we, We are speaking about this history as though it could never be repeated. And you see when the folks here are gathering around and they're building the temple, they're talking about the glory days of Solomon's great temple and they're talking about how wonderful it is and it's as though it could never be seen again. So in the midst of that, in the context of that moment, Haggai speaks and he calls forth For their courage. In verse 4 he says. Yet now be strong. Zerubbabel says the Lord. You who will be the governor. Be strong Joshua. You the high priest. Son of Jehoshadak. Be strong. All people of the land. Says the Lord. And work. And notice the encouraging word. For I am with you. Says the Lord of hosts. For I am with you. In order to encourage them, he speaks of his presence with them. He says, you get about the work. That's what you were called to do. And know that I am with you along the way. Now, so much of this language, I believe, so much of this language reminds us of God's encouragement to Joshua as he entered into the land to to maintain, to make the land the people of God's land. And this is what God had said to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1 verse 6. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses My servant commanded you. And in verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you hear the, the similarity in language? As God had spoken to Joshua, as Joshua was making the conquest of the land, I mean, he was following Moses. How would you like to follow Moses at the job? Hmm. you get a promotion and you have a new opportunity and the folks come in and they say, now you're following Moses, the greatest leader that's ever taken part in our nation's history. You're getting a job. Can you imagine how discouraged in some sense he was or at least a little disheartened and what God says is, be of good courage. I am with you. And now when the people are coming back from Babylon, in a, in a sense they are coming back anew and afresh, and they're following that same example of Joshua, and they're overwhelmed, God says the same thing. <laughs> Be of good courage. I am with you. And the language there means something that, like, I've been with you in the past, And now I am with you and will always be with you. I am with you. Doesn't that encourage you? And doesn't it encourage you in your work especially? To know that God is with you? I am so thankful for salvation. That God intervened in my life. And took me from a place A place of despondency, a place where I saw no hope, and he brought me into his family and he saved me. I'm thankful for that. I am also grateful that God did not choose to leave me there at the point of my salvation. I am thankful he didn't say, Okay, Reggie, you're saved now, go do it on your own. Go take care of everything. Reggie, now you know what to You just go do it. That is not what God said to any of us. But rather, what he has done for every believer is he has sent his Holy Spirit to reside within us, to be with us, and to encourage us, to empower us each day about the business of God. He is with us always. And this is the encouraging presence of, Christ, of the Holy Spirit, the encouraging presence of Christ, the encouraging presence of God. And God just simply says, be of good courage, I am with you. Last week I talked about the work that is to be done and there is work all around us. I am rather overwhelmed sometimes to see all of the work that should be done. For the glory and for the honor of God. They're all. We see work here in our community. We see work in our families. We see work in our churches. We see work in our nation. And we see work that is to be done across this globe. Every day I'm reminded of the overwhelming work. But thankfully I'm also reminded... Of the overwhelming presence of God in our lives. To accomplish that work. And he says to these individuals. I am with you. Says the Lord of hosts. That encourages and that motivates individuals. I love for other people to be involved in my life. And in the work of God. I'm not a loner. I could never survive by myself. Leslie says a hearty amen. I never could. I am thankful to have the presence of other people in my lives, but I am so thankful to know that the presence of God encourages me and is with me daily. And to the people who are settling in, settling in, To discouragement. He says I am with you. Verse 5 then. He says according to the word. That I have covenanted, That I have promised. That I have made an agreement with you. He says when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. He reminds them not only. Of his presence. But of his promise. As well. His covenant. His agreement. The relationship that he has made with them. He says, since the day I brought you out of Egypt, I have made this agreement and this relationship with you. I have said I was going to be with you. I have said that I was going to take care of you. I have said that I would work in your midst. That is the agreement that I have made. It is his promise. Again, I think it is. No accident that he mentions this during that time when they're celebrating their coming out of Egypt. Remember I said to you that this month it goes along with the same time period of the Feast of the Booths, the Feast of the Tabernacles when they were celebrating God's deliverance out of Egypt. So here they are sitting around in their uh, duck blinds. You didn't like that a moment ago. They're sitting around. And uh, in these temporary shelters, and they're thinking about God bringing them out of Egypt. So what does God do? He uses that occasion. He uses that moment to say, hey, didn't I t- promise you back then when I brought you out of Egypt? You know that, that great event that you're celebrating right now? Didn't I promise you that I would be there? Didn't I promise you that I would take care of you? Didn't I promise you that I would empower you? Didn't I? Oh, and God has to bring such reminders to us. And may I say, I am at the front of the line sometimes, needing that reminder. I know, I know that God said that after he saved me, after he was taking care of me, he said he would be with me and that he would would never leave me nor forsake me. I, I know that he is going to work his will for my life. I know that, but may I admit to you that there are moments that I live in my own way and it's as though I've forgotten his great promise. There are times I'm trying to do it on my own do, do you know how hard it is to try to do something on your own? Absolutely you do. You've been there like I have. Or you've tried to accomplish certain things on your own. And yet, the promise of God is, I'm there with you. Didn't I say I was going to take care of you? Didn't I say I was going to? I remember there was a moment in my ministry at Pine Grove Baptist Church in Picayune. I had, I had been working, I'm talking about, I had been visiting, I had been preaching, I was going to seminary, I was coming in, I was sleeping uh, not a whole lot at that time, and, 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 and I, it just seemed like we were staying at the same kind of place in the church's life. And you may not know this about me now, but you're probably getting to learn this about me. I'm not a guy that just likes the status quo. I think we ought to always be advancing for the kingdom of God. I don't believe we ought to just stand still. I think we always should be progressing and advancing. So I remember one day during the week, when I was so troubled about what was not happening at Pine Grove, and I went into the sanctuary by myself, and I fell at the altar, and I began to pray. And I began to say something like this, God, I don't know what I should do. God, I have visited, and God, I have preached, and God, I have done this and I have tried to reach out to this individual and God I've and I went on and I went on and I went on and I stopped for a moment and when I stopped it was as though God said do you hear yourself Reggie do you hear how many eyes have entered into this prayer do you hear how many eyes have consumed your thought and consumed your conversation. Reggie, what if you allowed the eye to just stand back? And why don't you allow me to do something? And I'm going to tell you, it was a moment in my life that I'll never forget where I realized how dependent I was and how dependent the people of God are upon his activity in our lives. And it was as though he reminded me that, Reggie, I didn't say you had to do the work alone. Reggie, I didn't say that you just should be out there accomplishing all that. It's great to work, but you need to be reminded that I've made the promise That I'm going to take care of these things. I'm the one that's in agreement with you. I'm the one that's in relationship. And I am the one that can achieve my glory. Here he says, Don't you remember the word that I gave, the promise? When you came up out of Egypt, my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And then you've got to love the rest of this as you read verse 6 and verse 7 and verse 8. He basically says it's not just about my presence and it's not just about my promise. But it's about the provision that I'm going to give to you. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more. In other words, I've done it in the past. Once more, it is a little while Just a parenthetical reference, almost like saying in just a little bit, just don't, once more and it won't be too long, he says, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. He says, I'm going to give you everything that you need, everything that is necessary for this work. I will shake heaven and earth itself to give you exactly what you need and the resources that are necessary for you to do what I've called you to do. Once more, as though I've done it in the past, he says, and I will do it again. Now, see, that's the proper perspective on the glory days, I think. Not that we live in the glory days, but we learn from the glory days. We don't go back and say, hey, we want to live in that classic moment of God's activity in the church. But we want to learn that God did it then, which means that God can do it again. I'm one of the world's worst of trying to relive things. And I have admitted freely, there are moments I would love to move back in church history even. But I must learn that what God does within us may be something a little different, but something just as powerful and wonderful to demonstrate His glory. Once more, I can provide, He says. I'll shake heaven and earth. He says, The nations themselves, I will shake them, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. Not many of us carry change much anymore. I'm rather embarrassed sometimes that I really don't have much cash on me either. We live in a plastic type of world, right? Right? I go up to a counter and they tell me that the credit card machine is not working, I get rather nervous. One, because I don't want to break the tuck money that I have in my wallet that Leslie, she didn't know about until this morning. (laughs) It's not much, baby, I promise you. (laughs) Or I don't have the other bills to be able to to pay but you remember those days when you would carry change and I would come in sometimes I used to keep up with my change in a little pot and you know just just kind of extra it collected over time some of you may still do that but you would you would sit down in the couch and and a lot of times just lose the change that you had kind of like it would just shake out of your your pocket and sometimes around christmas you would go and you would take all the cushions off of the couch and you would look for that change (laughs) but can you imagine this image of god saying i'm going to take heaven and earth i'm going to take the nations i'm going to hold them up and i'm going to shake them until all the resources that you need are provided. Isn't it amazing that God can take care of things in such a way? And he has such power. And that when God calls us to do his work, he's always faithful to provide for whatever is necessary to accomplish that work. See, Isaiah had mentioned this in Isaiah chapter 60, verse five, Isaiah, the prophet said, then you shall see and become radiant and your heart, Shall swell with joy. That's a great image isn't it? That your heart just swells. With joy. Because the abundance of the sea. Shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles. Shall come to you. The Persians. Who you would say. Would not be a. God-fearing, Yahweh-fearing nation or empire will provide funds. Other nations throughout the years to come will provide funds as God moves upon their hearts. He will shake them. The language is literally, I will cause them to be shaken. I will shake them to provide everything always overwhelmed how God provides in His right moment, His right time. I see it constantly. I reflected upon it this week in my Tidings article, which everyone in this place better have read. To see when we know God's work is to be done and the goal that is given. Maybe, maybe it's something like Lighting Moon. Do you recognize that this past month or so. God has shaken his people and he has shaken others to provide for his mission. And 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 we're celebrating today that we not only met a goal, but we overshot the goal and we collected over one hundred and thirty thousand dollars for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. No funds drawn from any other reserves or anything else. That was simply given. To see how we celebrate with the McCorders a uh, task of trying to collect the funds they did and yet god provided but god always does he always provides they look around and think to themselves where are we going to get all this stuff for this new temple think about solomon's temple it was so glorious. how are we going to get this god says you let me take care of it you let me just do a little shaking And I'm not just going to provide you the coins that you need. I'm going to provide you all the resources. And they shall come to the desire of the nations. I'll fill this temple with glory. Because everything belongs to me. Verse 9. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. He simply completes this message by saying that yes I will give to you my presence I will I've given to you my promise I will give to you all provision but I want you to know in the end when it's all said and done to that I am granting you peace contentment and joy to know that the glory of the latter is greater than the glory of the former obviously Jerusalem itself, the city of peace. There could be a play on of words here that he's using to talk about a true peace and contentment that will come as the temple is rebuilt. And he says, it's going to be greater. And it's hard for them to envision this because God's telling them that there's something going to be greater. And what they're looking at Is just rubble. It's hard to envision sometimes. How something could be greater. How God's glory could be evidenced. In the nation and throughout the people. But he says. It's going to be greater. Well when you look later on. Even at Herod's temple. When Herod comes and refurbishes. And brings all. If you look at the temple of Jesus Day, What a tremendous. Magnificent. Temple. Has been built. Because God's word is always true. And the glory of the latter. Is even more beautiful. Than the glory of the former. Some people have. Indicated here and. I think there could be at least a little bit of evidence here that even in the glory as it was demonstrated by Christ Jesus, the ultimate fulfillment of God's presence among the nation, that that glory in itself, that that glory was so much greater than just a temple made of brick and mortar, of building blocks of timber, that the presence of Christ himself demonstrated the glory. My challenge today for us, all of us, is as we come to this place and we see how God is there, how he provides his promise and his eventual peace that he brings, my challenge to us is this. Expect the glory days. Expect God's glory to be demonstrated. Now, I know this was for specific people at a specific time, but I will say to you that of all people that populate this world, of all people, we should be a people who expect to see a greater glory one day. We should be a people that ex- we would expect something greater and more awesome in our lives. I look at the rich heritage of our church and I see how God has moved before. And my belief is that God will continue and will do things far greater than we could ever imagine in the future. If I didn't believe that, I would not be your pastor. Because as I said, I'm not here to stand still. I am here to see God move in his own way, in his own timing, to do what only we could begin to imagine that he would do. That we would expect his glory to be shown. And I pray that you would gather with us as a people. That we would pray that we would be dependent upon him and him alone. To reflect his glory. And demonstrate it. Among his people. He can do it. Because he's with us. And he's providing. And he's promised. And he gives the peace. That we so desperately need. Let's pray. Father. We come. And Lord we give you honor and glory today. We thank you. For the way you have moved among your people here in the temple family, the way you have spoken to us in days past, but God, we pray that Lord, just as you moved then, that you would move again this new year. God, we pray that it would be that we would see a greater glory than we could ever imagine as you use your people about the work, as you empower us to advance your kingdom. God, right now in this place, collectively, we give you honor, we give you praise, we give you our gratitude for what you will do, what you are going to do to reflect that glory. Thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand as we have this hymn of invitation? Maybe you need to come and pray. Maybe you need to just speak with a minister. Maybe you need to come and give your heart and your life to this God who has given his life for you. Would you come as God calls right now?